Hey folks, and welcome to another episode of How to Survive the Modern World, or Gen X isn't just a fashion statement, presented to you by Tribe74.com. Andrew, 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 how are you doing today? Not bad, how yourself, Rob? Not too shabby. So what is, uh, what is the day presenting to you? Oh, I've had tons of technical difficulties. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, it uh, it took me ages to get my mic going tonight. Um, and it was just simply that I hit a button. Just, just, just a, a button. single, just just a single, single button. button. And that, it ruined that, my night. That is my life story in like a nutshell. Just one button <laughs> ruins a lot of stuff. <laughs> no, exactly. Otherwise, I mean, it's just been a fairly relaxed day. Yeah. The, the weather is fantastic. I think Did, it was up like 16 or something here. Yeah. Did you? Uh, Celsius. Did you go outside? Um, onto my back patio. Nice. Yeah. Well, no, that's all you need. You need that. You need to get that vitamin D, that oxygen, uh, the exactly. uh, that COVID-free air. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. No, it was nice. Yeah, it was. Did, uh, nice. We barbecued for dinner tonight. It was Ooh. good to get out on the grill. Ooh. Filled uh-huh. up the yesterday. Went out, got some new propane. Oh yeah. Both see. of our tanks were empty. See this. So for those listening, this this is the Canadian life, right? Mid March, still. I mean, technically, I guess it just turned it just turned spring yesterday or something like that. Yeah. By by whatever by the calendar, it became spring. But I've been in Canada. I mean, you know, well, we're probably we're probably still due for another dump of snowfall. But as soon as that sun, so. as soon as that sun comes out, as soon as that double digit hits uh, in Celsius, so in Fahrenheit, I don't know what's that. What's that like? Probably like. 70 no 75 80 or something i don't know i just make this i'm making it up i have no idea but uh yeah so yeah as soon as the, the double digit hits once you hit the 10 or 11 the barbecue has got to come on we got to be out there in our without a sweater on without yeah, flip-flops flip-flops yeah yeah and, uh, i mean because otherwise really any season is barbecue season for a canadian really that, that's yeah, true it's I, just I've, we're wearing boots instead of flip-flops that's right like i mean i i've, I've barbecued in the snow so uh, but uh, I had I had the uh, the shop door open today and uh, nice. had the air coming in and it was so nice. I, I didn't even have a sweater on for most of it. Oh, that's fantastic! Yeah, yeah. So that was good. But we went. We had to go for a drive to make some deliveries and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, found uh, we have, have to keep to. those customers happy. We do, we do. And uh, I also had to pick up my own toys too. So <laughs> really keeping me happy more than anything. <laughs> I, I love to drive. Driving is my thing. So. No, I uh, I saw some of those comic posters that you had posted on. Yeah, those look pretty awesome. Yeah, my uh, my friend uh, Derek, who was on our uh, one of our previous episodes there, that's one of his uh, fortes is making a like a foam board poster, and those are, those are pretty big. They're big. They're did they're, he print? Uh, is did he do he, the print as well? Yeah, he printed and, and hand oh, mounted no them and stuff. Yeah, and uh, he's doing pretty good. He's uh, like he's had a lot of sales on some of these, and they're they're great. So I, I asked him if I could have a bunch for the store and. He brought them all over. Yeah. So I think they'll do pretty good. I mean, you know, I would think so. Yeah. Like, I mean, they look fairly professional quality. So he's, he's doing a great job with those. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And uh, that's the thing. He loves doing that kind of stuff. So it's good to have, good to have those people in my corner too, you know? No, for sure. Yeah. So Rob, today on our show. Okay. We're going to be talking about camping. Uh, Our favorite living artist. Favorite living and artist. And K-pop. And K-pop. <laughs> finally, finally got you into Your listening music. to that. My music. <laughs> not, not just not just K-pop the music, but let's talk about the culture too when we when we get oh, to no, that. Oh no, for sure. I think yeah. I think it deserves it. You know, I'll be honest, it's not a subject that I'm that familiar with, but 
it is it's definitely an interesting an interesting subject for it, sure it is it is a definite culture shock no i think think let's uh let's wrap up the show with with the k-pop and yeah. uh let's just jump right into camping i i can't stop thinking about it now that the weather's starting to get good <laughs> also another canadian thing barbecue or camping going up to the muskokas whatever it is yeah okay so yeah so uh can i ask you when's the last time you went camping it has been a couple years right but it before that point it's uh, like multiple times every year and let me tell you camping has certainly changed for me over over the years <laughs> i mean when you're imagine why <laughs> <laughs> something about a root in your middle of your back it just doesn't yeah, quite no, it, no, the same exactly, this age. <laughs> exactly but i mean you, you go from looking for a, a campsite that you can sneak liquor into when you're when you're 16 17 18 and then in your your mid-20s then you're looking for maybe that uh, more adventuresome camping you're going out in the back country by hiking or or by canoe and then then you know you have a family you move into the car camping yeah car camping or uh exactly. the next thing i just need a trailer honestly yeah yeah <laughs> well, where are you gonna put that though you're gonna have to uh, kick your wife's car out of the garage yeah i know exactly i'm sorry <laughs> you can't have a car anymore yeah I, yeah i need room for the trailer yeah, i need my uh my little pop-up trailer yeah uh, and, a, and a trailer's not i don't even know that i could fit one into my garage maybe a <laughs> pop-up trailer trailer yeah, yeah. but i definitely have to move some stuff around that's yeah, for sure yeah, that's for sure like okay. I, I can get her little car in there but you couldn't have a collectible store in, in your garage like I do, you know, no. with, with a trailer in there. <laughs> Certainly not. <laughs> like, just reach over top of that trailer for that uh, item you want there. Yeah, no, for sure. But, uh, you know, I really, I'd really like to get out and do some uh, longer photography projects. Yeah. And which probably means that I, I'm going to be doing more camping, camping to do that. You know, there are more remote places I like to yeah. hit like flower pot island for example for sure, yeah. which is going to be is going to have to be a night of camping to get the the lighting conditions that i want for sure and there's lots of other places that that i want to travel so it will be perhaps a little bit more gear heavy yeah um, but car camping as a as a family i'm i'm used to that so the closer i can get a vehicle to the location so i don't have to to pack everything either that or i need to really cut back uh cut back on the weight maybe invest in a like a a single person tent or something like sure, that yeah. and a decent quality small air mattress yeah let, let me let me tell you so i'm, I'm not super experienced with camping because uh, i mean i did some camping when i was a kid and up into my uh late teens and uh you know usually we did the uh you know the, the camping on the ground kind of thing and uh, but i mean you know at that age it didn't really matter you woke up stiff but no. you, you know within an hour you're fine and ready to go but uh, a couple of years ago when we when we drove across country we uh, decided that we were going to try to camp as much as possible my wife loves camping the kids had never really experienced camping at that time and uh i i was a, quite a few years out from camping so i was right. i wasn't used to it but we we had all the gear we had we had we had sleeping bags and uh, the first night we stayed at Camp Kilbear, which is uh, up by Sudbury in Ontario, 
And, beautiful part of the country oh yeah and oh and we didn't get there till really late so it was unfortunate we didn't really get to experience it because we we're you know doing the travel the road the road uh the road trip well it's it's a full day drive it, yeah and it was especially like that maybe time. two like it, you know i think you push it and you can do it in, in one you but. can you can do it you could probably do it actually fairly quick but we chose a friday night to leave so friday night going to the muskokas like i mean the highway and then there was construction on the just on the, the expressway it was just like yeah like we, we even took the back roads to try to you know dodge like the toronto area but it just it was it was ugly anyway yeah for so, those of us from ontario you understand yeah 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 do not travel to toronto on the highways but anyway so so we got there and uh, after the first night of uh, camping on the ground with a uh, route directly in my spine we decided that we needed to not just sleep on the ground elevated age broken hips broken knees broken back just were not uh yeah, yeah they were not not conducive to that environment so we actually we stopped in uh in portage la prairie a couple nights later which is uh in manitoba outside of winnipeg and uh we uh we found a, a really nice campsite and uh, we thought well we can't we can't sleep on the ground or we we brought we brought like the big mattress sort of like a, an inflatable mattress but it was mm -hmm. really loud and obnoxious to be like filling it up so and we knew we had to get moving so we didn't want to have to spend the morning trying to empty it out either so we, right. we went to the Dollarama in Winnipeg, the dollar store. I don't, it might've been Dollarama. We went to the dollar store in Winnipeg and bought pool floaties. So like a lounge chair, like basically like just a, like a flat lounge, like four, four pockets. Yeah. Like it, it was like nothing. It was like paper thin. And you know what? Best sleeping campground sleeping I've ever had is even better. That's awesome. Even better than big inflatable bed. Cause inflatable bed like, you know, makes noise all night long and always ends up running out of air or something like that. Or yeah, you get, you get the uh, legs stuck in your back. This was, these were perfect. And they were, awesome. like, they were like three bucks. Like it was ridiculous. And I'm thinking, Oh my goodness. Like, so for the rest of our trip, and I think of this, yeah, I think of this before the rest of our trip, all the camping that we did, we didn't bother bringing out the big camp, like chair. Like we even stayed at a couple of people's houses who didn't have beds for us. So we just kind of like slept on the floor, but we brought out the little, uh, these little floaties, these pool floaties and slept on those. And my goodness, nice. unbelievable unbelievable like it's ridiculous <laughs> no that's a great idea yeah i never even thought of something like that it, it was just a stupid thought and we actually we'd actually bought them for the pool because at the one the campsite that we'd stayed at the in in uh uh portage la prairie uh they had mm -hmm. a pool there so we thought the kids would like you know like these to go floating around on the in the no water. exactly they're they're fantastic yeah. i mean you just you throw it in underneath your armpits and mm -hmm. And float away or throw it in between your legs and you're a cowboy yeah and they're compact enough that we could just throw them in the back of the van you know without and they deflate you know while we we're driving kind of thing but mm -hmm. you know the kids didn't use them that particular evening so we kind of slept on them we're like oh you guys can get your own or sleeping on these <laughs> these will not be getting wet <laughs> so yeah now, i remember as a kid going out on canoe trips i think gosh that one particular time i think it was on the french river and uh, we stopped at a campsite for one night and I wanted to sleep out on the rock down beside the water. And let me tell you, that was probably one of the worst sleeps that I've ever had. <laughs> don't ever do it. If you haven't done it before, don't sleep on the rock. Just exit right yeah. off. Rock will suck the heat oh, right out yes. of your body. Yes, yes, for and sure. And you will wake up so sore. 
the next day. And I was a kid. This is this is when this is when we're at our best. Mm-hmm. And it still killed me. And it killed me for the rest of the trip because I did this. Yeah. But the, the rock was just so smooth and not kind of like, oh, that looks like like a good surface to sleep on. Probably felt good but, like in the summer heat too, right? Like the sun oh, yeah. down on like it. during the daytime, perfect. But during the evening, not not so much. No, it's turned into an icicle. Wow. Yeah. Oh completely yeah. completely <laughs> <laughs> so obviously i think this year like i i hope that i can uh join you on maybe some of these uh, photography excursions oh, no, sure. and stuff like that uh, so it can be interesting to see how how the camping goes for both of us we may end up have you tried glamping uh, like a hotel <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's that's my that's my goal like a, like a three-star yeah, yeah you just, well yeah you go to the, the, the one the roadside uh uh motel that uh is you know has like one car and you know maybe missing yeah, a window no. missing a door here and there but no uh glance i know what you mean okay. no actually um i kind of picture the oh gosh like i'm thinking like of an old time movie with the, the white tents the pointed roof right right like the old with, army tent uh, kind of where thing. essentially you've got people who've packed in a bed for you in nightstands yeah. so um, and essentially just an entire room inside of this and i know that they have these now at camp yeah yeah so yeah they're kind of like the old military kind of setup right you know like a couple yeah, cops totally. and you know uh you know a pre pre-established tent and all, all... well i was checking one of those right. out at one of the provincial parks for last year but i mean last year was a write-off mm-hmm. so i totally know what you're talking about would love to try uh, staying in one of those yeah i think they'd probably be very comfortable very interesting and i guess they, there's other things called yurts or something like that and yep. um i don't know if that's that's the same thing or not but i hear it's it's glamping as well yeah essentially the same thing yeah. it would be the same setup on the inside yeah but a yurt is essentially it's a a rounded shell oh, okay All right and uh just a giant tent yeah really there's a couple that i follow on youtube and i can't remember the names right now but they they're out in bc and they live in a yurt full time wow Okay, so that's interesting. Yeah, and it's uh, it, apparently it's not something that you're. I somebody told me just a couple of weeks ago that is not something that you're allowed to do in Ontario full time. No, Ontario. Uh, actually, I think most of Canada. I'm not 100 percent positive, but I think most of Canada, you're not allowed to be off the grid, which is sad. Yeah. I mean, if you think about, uh, they talk about environment all the time and stuff like that. But it's pretty sad that you can't do that. But I don't know. I mean, it's something I'd be willing to try, you know, well, maybe not. I don't know. You know, 20 years ago, I'd probably be willing to try it, but maybe not so much anymore. I'm, I'm a cottage guy now. Yeah. I'm a cottage guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? The whole idea of going off grid to me sounds pretty darn cool. It, it, you know, I, I know that there's a lot of work that goes into mm-hmm. it, backbreaking work, but I think after you kind of get yourself really established, then, then it wouldn't be too bad. Yeah. I, I don't know for sure, but just the the whole idea of just being able to disappear from society. Well, there's something there's something to be said for that. Well, hundred percent, right? For sure. Like, I mean, just the idea of I've always thought if there was ever a zombie apocalypse, I would just move up into the northern woods and you know nobody'd ever find me, and I'd live off the land I, somehow. I probably, I'd yeah, probably hit the crown land. Yeah, I'd probably be dead in about three three days. But you know, at least oh, for you know, sure. I, I, you know, I I aspire. I aspire. 
but uh, I, the way I look at it, I mean, like I, I watch a couple on YouTube as well. I don't want to name them because I don't want to like, sound like they're you know, white privileged, rich white privileged kids, but they live in a van year round uh, at the moment. They used mm -hmm. to travel around the world, but then obviously with COVID, now they live in a van and they travel around the yeah, States. And uh, they, uh, you know, they're, they're pretty, pretty white bread. You know, I couldn't imagine that they would do well camping, but I mean, they do well in a van, right? So, and they, yeah, I mean, van life, it, that's a one, that's a huge thing right now. They're really mini campers. Like you can go and buy like a brand new one for probably like 150 to $200,000. Like, like this is a stupid pricing to me for a van with a bed in the back. And I know it's got all electricity hooked up and some of them uh, even have bathrooms and showers, but a lot of these guys are, are actually doing their own van. Yeah. Like it, you almost have to like, I mean, for the price that you're paying for something like, well, I mean, it's, yeah, for sure. I think that they, they were, they try, they took one out. Like, I think it was like $150,000 van. They taken it. They borrowed one. Cause they, they had their own that they had custom built and all that stuff. But they took one out mm -hmm. and it was like a hundred thousand dollars for Mercedes. And it was like, it was like 10 times better than their van. You know, yeah. certain things there were certain, you know, pros and cons. Right. But uh, yeah. And just like, but $150,000, that's a house. Like why? Oh, completely. why not just, I mean, I, I get the idea of the van life or, or getting off the grid in that way, but why not just buy a cottage at that point? You know? I, oh, exactly. Like I expect a, a whole lot more for yeah. that kind of money or quite honestly, like it just, it, it makes no sense to me. On the other hand, $150,000, you could buy yourself a minivan like I do and then drive, a, drive across the country and stay at hotels. You'd have plenty, plenty yeah. of money to kick around, you know. So but. no, completely. But I mean, a lot of these guys, as you say, they're um, buying old vans or some still relatively new, but they're building it out yeah. themselves. They either have the know-how or or have learned the know-how after going through a few uh, van builds yeah. over over the years, or or just yeah, just know or people just that, just watch uh, YouTube that, that can do it. Well, exactly. Like, I mean, you can watch so yeah. many YouTube things. Like, I mean, what would concern me is like when you're connecting like a diesel heater mm. or something like that, then, or, or even the electrical yeah. portion for, for that matter. And I think I'd probably be getting into a professional to, to do yeah. all of that. Um, uh, but it, uh, it's really, it, it's completely. Yeah. Nice. I think that there are professionals too that, that, would do that for you right i mean if you think about it uh, i mean there's there's people who are oh, people totally. who, who repair and modify uh like uh, the uh, the big uh, winnebago uh, buses or uh that kind of stuff so obviously vans to this smaller transition basically right so i imagine yeah it wouldn't be that tough but yeah the amount of money that you'd have to invest in it for sure was is pretty ridiculous Right now, photographer Thomas Heaton, because he, he hasn't been able to, to go out, he's an, uh, an England-based photographer. He actually, he had a fully built-out van, but he felt that it was actually, it was too nice for him for the places that he wanted mm -hmm. to go. And so what he's done is he imported an old Mitsubishi Delica, okay. which is a 4 by 4 van. Okay. And... And he's doing the uh, the um, the build himself. Nice, nice. Oh man! So the Delica, it's pretty much similar to like a caravan yeah. sort of thing, except with a, a four by four option. He's making a, a thin bed. He's getting all, all. He's doing all of the the door work and, and such himself. He had all the aluminum cut 
by a company so it's all bang right. on but he's he's installed it all himself yeah. we had thought about it i mean with the kids it just became too much when we had when we went out west we had thought about just throwing a mattress in the back having the kids there though mm-hmm. there wasn't really enough room but uh you know no totally i completely if, if we if we decided to go travel without the kids at some point and uh, I think we we could probably get away with that. Just throw a, a mattress in the back of our van. And yeah. it'd be great because, I mean, like it, it, it's probably a little tight for us in there. But at the same time, I mean, then we just, we'd just be able to keep warm during the night or whatever, right? But yeah, I mean, that, that'd be my salad glamping. And that's about all I could afford is uh, a mattress in the back of our van. I couldn't. Uh, oh, I'll be honest. That's probably one of the most important yeah. things for me is a comfortable yeah. sleep. So as long as I can put in a decent mattress into the bag, I'd yeah. be set. My wife won't let me buy a no. van though. Oh. So that, oh. Oh. Uh, she doesn't understand. She doesn't understand the van is. No. Be, 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 you know what? The whole soccer mom thing has got to go. I think they need to cancel the soccer mom. <laughs> Nobody's playing soccer now. <laughs> I'm just I'm just gonna go yeah, buy a van. I mean honestly. But what I would like, I want a all wheel drive van. I, yeah. And or uh, which. Uh they're a little bit more difficult to come by. I'm not sure if the Pacifica is doing an all-wheel drive now, but well, they are difficult yeah. to find. But uh, yeah, honestly, like, you know, we've taken this thing everywhere. So like we've, we've had, I think we've had three, oh no, we, we did have a Suzuki or I don't know. I don't know what the heck we had. Uh, oh, a Nissan Rogue in between there, but we had like, we've had three vans in a row and I will never, yeah, vans I will are great never for go long, back long for, for long haul for like my business. Like honestly, like oh, completely. You know, so you can just fill it with so yeah, much so stuff. The, 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 we we need to cancel soccer moms. Say the minivan, the caravan is the vehicle, the utility that real people need. Don't give me that that pickup truck mm-hmm. crap. Those things are those things are just yeah. toys for little men. But the caravan, the caravan is, is, is a real vehicle for a decent human. No, oh, exactly. I'm not sure how we went from camping to van life, but honestly, <laughs> so it, it's not far off. Like, I mean, a lot of times you're, you're trying, you're trying to find campsites mm-hmm. to, to stay in when you're traveling across yeah. country or something like that. I would to actually take a van across the oh, that would be nice, yeah. in particular. You know, I, I've done the drive back and forth, like through Canada and I've, have been across the northern part of the, the U.S., but I'd like to go down more into oh, the, 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 the southern and the interior and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. And just kind of cut up through through there, just to because there's a lot of the part of the U.S. that I have yeah. an opportunity to experience, and I think that'd be a cool way to go. Um, I've even given the the thought of like renting a like, like a, a small travel yeah. trailer to go across country. Yeah, that no, way. that's that's a good way to do it. I I'd consider that maybe you know, and when I'm older enough, I have a little money put aside to buy myself a nice uh, fat boy uh, Harley Davidson and uh, <laughs> do that. When we when we stopped at that campsite in uh, Prairie uh, Portage La Prairie. Uh, there was a the, right beside us, one of the campsites right beside us was a motorcycle, and he had he was driving across the country as well. And so this was a stop on the Trans Canada, yeah. So and he had like you know he had a tent and all that stuff packed away, he had like a, one of those little pull along trailers that some motorcycles can get. And uh, I think yeah, yeah, yeah. That that looks like a great idea. Or if you want to be real real tough, you just put the the bed roll yeah. tied. <laughs> Like strapped around the front of your bike, and that's yeah, that's that's what right, you're sleeping yeah. on. Sleeping on, in yeah, on, you know, covered in bugs, and you know. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I, I've I've got it anymore for no. for that. <laughs> but uh, maybe twenty yeah. years ago, I, I 
I would have been happy to to right. jump on a bike with just a bedroll. Uh, then, not anymore. Not anymore. I, uh, a, a tent inside that little trailer yeah, that, being t- hauled yeah. behind the bike. I would. I would certainly give it a try. Like, yeah. can you imagine? I mean, that would be the ultimate way to experience the road, or like you know, the the countryside, right? Just driving on a motorcycle, you get the fresh air, but then you also get the rain and stuff. So I guess it might not be the best at all mm. times. And yeah, exactly. Why not? Yeah. yeah. When, whenever you're thinking about it, it's always the best possible conditions. Yes, yes absolutely. The sun so shining down. You never, you never think about the no. the wind, the rain, yeah. the cold, the, the bugs, animals running in front of you, the poor drivers. But anyway, back back to camping. <laughs> but yeah, that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I recently actually just bought a. One of those bug masks that go okay, over yeah, your head yeah. just for kind of going going out into the, the wilderness and doing mm-hmm. some camping and doing some some photography where you know I want to be in a certain location. Yes, the bugs yes especially in the nor- northern so, Ontario uh, or uh, Manitoba, you definitely want to avoid uh, the bugs as much as possible because oh, wow, yeah, yeah no, as soon as you walk. Completely. Actually, I watched. I did watch a video of a couple who who were doing the van life thing, and they were driving across. They were going to New, uh, to Newfoundland through Quebec, and there's this northern highway that they were taking to get there. A northern it was called the Newfoundland Highway or something, and it was like there was like no contact. They actually, you had to stop at one point on the road at a uh, at an office. Or I don't know if it was like a, a city or municipal office or like a police office, and get a two way radio because. You know the amount of time that you'd be traveling be like it was like 700 kilometers or something crazy like that and you needed that just in yeah. case you got a flat or you had an issue there was no other way to contact people and anyway yeah no yes, cell service nothing at no. all right so you had this like you had to drop it off at one end and pick it up at the other end kind of or pick it up and then drop it off right but so, so they had they'd driven so far and they're in the middle of deep dark quebec and they pulled off on the side of the road just kind of like stretch your legs and stuff like that and kind of taking some of the environment a bit and they were covered in mosquitoes and it was like so bad that they actually had like time getting into the van one person at a time so they didn't let too many mosquitoes into the van and it was like but like you could actually see like the mosquitoes like all over their car all over them and all that stuff and it was just like thick layer it was like horrible but thinking yeah. That, yeah that's one thing about going camping you you do need to to plan kind of first off you know when the mosquitoes are at the least and you have to make sure that you're not in oh yeah for sure because those yep. are even worse the black flies they will take yep. hunks yep. out of you if you haven't experienced the yep. black fly i've before. uh i've had maybe one or two and i'm kind of glad that's all i've had no exactly you don't want any more any no. more than that for sure so my, my, my experience nowadays with camping is that we every year we go up just up to the lake here on the Bruce Peninsula. We uh, we stay in a cottage up there, just do the family thing with the, the whole family goes up and we rent a bunch of cottages all together. Really cheap. We're, we're lucky. Like we get these really cheap ones, have the best deal in the area. That's my that's my experience with camping these days. Yeah. You know what? I just I love getting a fire going and you know with the the skies are just completely yeah. black with just the stars you're not getting any of that that yeah. city light that's get a full sky and just listening to the the sound of the the crackle of of the wood and the fire and the the smell that actually comes off the wood yeah no for sure that's like one of the best things my my, my biggest issue nowadays is well comfort obviously but also i'm I, i'm connected yeah. i'm connected i've 
and uh, there, I don't do anything without my phone. And I, I get the evil eyes from my from my uh, my in laws when I'm sitting there on the phone while they're they're talking about their family stuff, right? <laughs> yeah, give it to me. Yeah, and you're yeah. staring. To, at to your be phone. fair, they're talking about their family and all that stuff, and you know, and I can't really contribute to the conversation that much. I don't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I that's right like there's phone. lots of interesting stuff on my phone you know i mean i could i get to like look <laughs> at my favorite artist you know like all day long if i'm on my phone how's nice. that for a segue takes us right into our next favorite segment. living artist you know who is your favorite uh, living artist so this right? is a hard one i had to think long and hard on this because i i deal a lot with comic books so i see a lot of amazing artists and and there's oh, just like sure. so many and like the digital media ha has made art so accessible and there's so many there's no classic artists i can really say like so so many of them, many of them are comic book artists that i really enjoy my favorite one probably in the last i don't know two decades three decades is one named luis royo he he does uh I, i'm not even sure where he's from I, I can't remember if he's like italian or portuguese he did a lot mm -hmm. uh, for heavy metal magazine so heavy metal magazine not like a rock and roll magazine it's a comic book style magazine with science fiction fantasy they had a couple movies made of it and he's done a lot of covers and right. uh, i've got about four or five of his art books that i enjoy and i just love his art and he, he takes like the, the science fiction fantasy to a different level yeah oh, that's pretty cool there's, there's another person that has the same last name as him called romulus royal and i don't know if they're related but they actually they they interact with each other like so on facebook you see romulus and and louis kind of working together or they or they they share each other's artwork and stuff like that but i don't know if it's like the same person or like a, a brother or sibling a sibling or team, team or something like that yeah so it's really interesting but the romulus is actually really good as well so sometimes i look at it and I go wow that's really you know comparing the two i mean they're they're they keep each other i guess in check yeah. Oh, that's pretty cool. Uh, another one is uh, Julie Bell and Boris Vallejo. I, some people who are into the, the whole science fiction fantasy artwork would, will definitely know Boris. Uh, he signs all his stuff, just Boris. And he does a lot of like, it, it's, got, it's got the feel of a, like a 60s science fiction Flash Gordon feel to a lot of it. But it's really, oh, cool. really well done. And then Julie Bell, who is his wife, she does similar type style of work and she's just fantastic too but then she she focuses a lot more on animals and stuff like that and she's got a few pieces of art like a, i think there was a, one of a bison it's just fantastic like unbelievable yeah oh, what, about, what about yourself is there anybody that you're keeping an eye on yeah there is a uh, an artist by the name of gary texali and i've actually collected a, a few of his pieces over the years he's got he's got a really old-timey cartoon feel to him but he does actually a lot of political art as well uh, he's like a fine artist and, and illustrator and he's over the years he's developed all sorts of different characters that you will see kind of throughout his artwork that, that kind of jump from one piece to another and uh, he'll have them in, in various forms but he's always using it to he's using it to kind of put yeah, out yeah. A, a message sure. of some sort and so he is really cool another artist that i've been uh, into uh, his name is glenn barr i i haven't actually picked up any of his stuff but he's a painter out of i think he's out of detroit and it's it's really kind of like a 
grungy rock and roll sort of feel that he has, but it's very much character driven as well. He does a lot of lots of kind of fairies and gods and rock and roll figures. And he loves robots as well, too. You see robots reoccurring throughout his work as well. It, and he and he really seems to experiment a lot with his with his artwork even though you'll see things that, you know a similar style throughout you'll see stuff that is still very different for example you'll see a, like, like a woman talking on like a telephone that we had from from the 80s or even stuff that really represents the the 70s as well too it's so high level the stuff that he's putting out and i really i do need to pick up some of his artwork it's just I'd almost like to go down to to make the trip to Detroit to actually go to his studio to pick up some of the artwork as opposed to actually just having it sent to me. I I would love, love to do that. He he actually, I kind of got on to him actually through collecting Dunnies as well too. I, I actually never had any of his vinyl artwork, but I think I'm pretty sure that he did do some of the artwork for for Dunny. And I actually met him kind of, or I shouldn't say met him, came across him through other artists that had had done that sort of work and often will would have had like shared websites and stuff like that and kind of cross-promoting each other's work. And that's actually how I came across that, him. Uh, so while, while you were talking, I, I looked Glenn Barr. I looked both both uh, the gentlemen up. Glenn. Glenn Barr, wow. Yeah. Like, oh, like totally blown away. Like that is like the art that I absolutely love, like that style of art, like the way he, he paints his women, uh, the rock and roll. There's one called uh, girl in platforms where she's like, looks like, uh, mm-hmm. I, I navigated away from that, from that particular piece, but oh, just phenomenal, phenomenal work. Like this is, I'm, I'm totally in love with this work. Yeah, yeah. no, isn't it so it, cool? Gosh, he, he did the artwork for one of the big, uh, one of the big alt rock concerts back in the nineties, I believe. I'm just, I, I can't remember which one what it was. Um, which one it was kind there, of off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. It, it may come to me. There, as there is a picture a of a uh, poster that a tour poster he did for Monster Magnet, which is uh well, oh, one of those. It's a uh, Gen cool. X band. It's a Gen X band, and uh, yeah, oh wow, some yep. of stuff. But that uh, that one, like, and there's a couple I'm just looking at, but that one, the uh, what did I, I say? The girl in the, in the platforms, just oh, fantastic, mm-hmm. like. Oh, it reminds me, and this this kind of like lets me mention like one of my other favorite artists, Doug Snade. So I got yeah, so I got an interesting story about Doug Snade is that he he's a Playboy artist. So he, he he did a lot of artwork. He did like the comic strips in Playboy, one one of the many. And uh, okay, yeah, just, yeah, just the way yeah. he drew his girls, I absolutely thought was fantastic. They weren't like he didn't do like you know racy stuff. So so when you hear Playboy, Playboy is not a racy magazine by any means. It had nude women for sure. And some of the cartoons were like naked girls and stuff like that. But yeah, it was, it was pretty, pretty classy and pretty tasteful. But Doug Snade was like really amazing. And his artwork was tasteful, but like just the way he drew his women, like, and it, just fantastic. And that, that's what, you know, uh, Mr. Barr reminds me of. Like, just, just like how Glenn Snade. I brought Doug's work and it's very much kind of the, yeah. the pinup girl, old time look. And in various sorts of in, environments, at out at like a an old timey club, or um, you know, uh, just sitting right. in the the living room with yeah. friends and stuff like that, which is it's really yeah. cool artwork. Do I you like see it. the similarities? Right. Yeah. I, I can see the yeah. so, the similarities. So let me tell you about Doug sure. Snade. So 
I went to we we were we were hosting at Fan Expo. We we had a table set up at Fan Expo, which is the Toronto Comic Con for those uh, listening. And I was walking by and I seen Doug Snade paper like his posters and all that stuff and saw the artwork. And I'm, oh, okay. So I know I know I did I didn't associate the name at the time, but I like oh Doug Snade. Okay, I recognize that art. I love that art, right? So I went up to the table. And I went up to the table and I started yeah. talking for a second. And he asked me where I was from, and I told him I was from uh, my, my hometown. Well, he happens to be from our hometown as well. Yeah. So I was like, what? No way. But no way, right? And so, and he's been <laughs> cartoonist with Playboy since 1964, right? And I had no idea. Like, That's I mean, he, you know, he, he worked in Montreal and Toronto, so his hometown, like he was born in, in the same hometown. But yeah, like he, uh, you know, yeah. it was, I was just so, like, we sat there and talked for like, you know, I don't know how long, but. You know the same yeah. the local haunts. And it was so like awesome, and then he, awesome. then he signed the book for me. Like I bought I bought the book that he had there, which was kind of like the stuff that wasn't published in Playboy. It's kind of like the stuff that you know his work, kind of his own personal stuff, like like uh, con- concepts and stuff like that, right? Yeah. So uh, I wonder if there's uh, oh yeah, unpu- it's called <laughs> unpublished, unpublished Snade. Oh, it's on his website there, and uh, yeah, oh, and that's great. Uh, on the inside, it shows it shows a panel from the inside of his book there, and it's got and he does a, a remark. So he drew a picture of a girl, and he did that. For, he did that for me as well. Mm-hmm. And oh, I was just like, and you know, it, oh. it was just fantastic. And it was like one of my prized possessions. And I, I forgot to mention, like he is probably probably one of my top 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 artists. Like, I just the right. his style is so amazing. You know what? You know, it's one thing to really appreciate the style, but then to have the opportunity oh. to actually sit and chat with uh, with an artist, and you kind of get a, an idea of kind of where where his mind is at and how he's kind of developed the the different pieces mm-hmm. that that they do it and they can tell you the story that kind of goes behind the, yeah. that particular piece oh. it makes it so much more valuable oh, yeah. to and especially than like than just to pick it yeah. up at a poster store or something like that or it makes a huge difference to to know the story yeah. that goes behind the the artwork or and especially when they personalize it like yeah that that's like Gary Texali, he's actually done that for me a couple times on pieces of artwork or some of the uh, art books that I've bought from him. Uh, he'll put in a, a, just a hand drawing, quick. You know, it took him probably thirty seconds to to draw yeah. out the, the character, but it, it yeah. meant a lot oh, for sure. Like, and just having that inner. You know what? Honestly, like, so when you go to those shows, you see people go up and they, uh, you know, they get the autograph and they just kind of like autograph and walk, autograph and walk, autograph and walk. It, to me, like, I I rather meet these artists, you know, celebrities or whatever, uh, in a, a more personal setting or you know a less orchestrated setting where you can just sit and talk with them. And that that's the one thing for I love sure. about like an artist alley. At like a comic con or something like that is that a lot of times like i mean unless it's mm-hmm. like a really popular artist like an adam hughes or something like that most most of the artists are just sitting there and you know maybe a couple people come up at a time and we'll talk to them whatever but you can just walk up to them and you know not only can you get like actual full artwork from them like if you purchase it from them or like you can get the personalized artwork if you purchase a lot of times but uh sometimes you know they just sit there and they'll just sign a book for you and they'll, they'll put a little extra effort into it like a little uh remark you know or like a a girl or a ninja turtle you know you know depending on and to me yeah, whatever just getting to sit there and interact with them like i met uh and not to go off topic too much but i met a hockey player bob probert a few years ago and uh, it wasn't even the autograph that i cared that much about it was just talking to him 
you know, and getting to getting to know the person, yeah. right? And to me, that that's amazing. And and exactly like like as you say with Gary Texali and and my experience with Doug Sinead, it was just phenomenal. It just it just makes it that much more exciting and a pers- personal personal experience. Oh, for sure. So hopefully, when the borders open up, that I'll make a trip down to Detroit to. I, I think I think I, or, I would uh, I would ask if I could join you. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely jumping on the road trip. That, that gorilla platforms, uh, like it, it's it's one hundred and ten dollars American mm-hmm. on his website, signed in number, but it, yeah. it's an it's a limited edition of thirty three. I'm just sitting there like, what what's what's stopping me from pulling the trigger? Is uh, well, the look of my wife probably in the back of my eyes if I did buy it. But uh, I think at some point I, yeah. I will get that. I mean, it's easier yes, to beg yes. for forgiveness. <laughs> That's right, but I think that that is, to to be honest, to be honest, so I think instead of buying a print, even though like, you know, getting the autograph print would be pretty cool, or if if I could meet him, it would be even better, but I I want, what I want to do is I have have a um, sketchbook, I'm an artist myself, I'm not like any of these guys, but what I would hope at some point, I would love to take a sketchbook that I have dedicated to Every artist that, that I like or that I come across, I have them draw a particular character for me. Yeah, really and then have them just you. do a piece of artwork in that book for me. So I'd have like just a book full of stuff. Oh, yeah, and that, that's my goal at some point when uh, when things get back to normal anyway. And like Glenn Barr, he's now on my list. Like, wow. Yeah. Well, and listeners don't let Rob sell himself short. Uh, I appreciate that. He's amazing. I do appreciate it. I've been trying for a very long time. <laughs> he, he is a professional <laughs> artist, so don't. <laughs> don't don't let him so. sell himself short because his work is good but yeah no i think that this is yeah. just kind of cool just to talk about the the different artwork that that we're seeing out yeah. there and who's making it because i mean there, there's so many fantastic artists that have passed but i think it's important to talk about artists that are living and they're, they're actually oh. trying to make a living from their artwork right now 100 percent great to support them. uh you know like being an artist that I, i've had a lot of a little bit of experience and and been able to mingle and talk to other artists and stuff like that that have been trying to break into the industry and stuff and i've met so many like that, that's that's a hard thing is that i feel i wouldn't do them justice by just talking about a couple i would love to talk about every single one that i know because there are so many fantastic artists nowadays like even like mm-hmm. i i grew up i was kind of raised on and this this will sound cheesy or tacky or whatever but i was raised on like comic book artwork and like playboy artwork heavy metal magazine artwork or even 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 records I mean, records some, right some like, of the, i was raised on that stuff and yeah, yeah it's not like it's not classical like you know like michelangelo or uh, Leonardo da Vinci or but you know it, it's like some of it is just so fantastic and it, it lets you imagine the story behind it right so that's that's why I, I'm no, kind of sure. like more into that style of art no I I love yeah. comic book art I think it's fantastic and like like some of these uh, oh. working artists are simply incredible that that yeah. are doing that style of artwork and I think it's just you know, it's a personal preference as to what what medium you want. I think to the great thing too nowadays is that because of digital media and the internet, the the global market, we're now getting to see a lot of artists uh, we we couldn't see before because they didn't have access to you know paint or, or or whatever or access to to computers and stuff like that. But everything is so accessible now. And then with the internet, now everybody's accessible. So if you want to be out there as an artist, there's you can you can find your market. And, I mean, it takes work for sure, but mm-hmm. and you and skill, but 100. I mean, you need to no for sure. You know, like 
I mean, or I shouldn't say you need to, it, it, they're available out there. Like guys like Art Germ, who was on Deviant Art for the longest time, he's now like one like a, a top contributor to comic book cover. And oh yeah, like I mean, people they don't even care about yeah. what comic he's doing. They don't even have to support that. Yeah. They just want his artwork. They want that yeah. that, uh, that cover art. They don't even no. care about what's and just like, yeah. it. And, and the great other great <laughs> thing is it's like international too. Like like for instance, like Archer is his his name is Stanley Lau, and he's uh I, I'm not sure where he's from, but he, he's from Asia somewhere. I apologize, I should know where he's from, but it's just slipping my mind at the moment. Um, but then there's uh, Saya Um, there's uh, Lucio Perillo. Uh, I don't even know if I'm saying his name right, but I mean these these people are coming from all over the world now and contributing. And like it's it just so diverse and so good that you know it, it's right now is a great time to be an appreciator, appreciator, connoisseur, whatever you want to call it, of art. Yeah, I, I mean, I could go on for hours. Olivia Der, I can't even say her name. Everybody knows her as Olivia. Uh, D Bar D or D D Bar You probably you yeah, probably yeah, yeah. we've probably all seen a piece of her artwork. She did a lot of heavy metal magazine stuff. Trying to think of Simon Bisley, who's a little more grungy. He's a really good artist. I think you might appreciate his work as well. Guys like Robert Crumb. So, so I guess he he's not living anymore. So he was uh, an underground comic book artist, and he inspired movies like uh, Felix the Cat. So like vulgar, kind of kind of like the grotesque <laughs> stuff too. I really enjoy the grotesque stuff, like stuff. Yeah. That I, I first and foremost, I like the stuff that that is skillful and masterful. But I love I love stuff that pushes the boundaries because right. that's what art really needs to be. Art needs to basically say, mm-hmm. "Hey, society, stick this up your ass." You know, this is a this is this is real life kind of thing, right? And some of these artists, like yeah. they do it so well. So you know, guys like Simon Bisley, like he's a perfect example of that. Or they just call him the Biz. Uh, he's he's crazy. <laughs> he does a lot of stuff. But again, you know, there I am with Heavy Metal magazine. But yeah, an artist, I guess, unfortunate who's unfortunately passed as well uh, would be a Frank Frazetta, who who is famous mm-hmm. for the Death Dealer, the artist who created Alien, the the concept of the alien for the movies. Flipping my name, Geiger, H. R. Geiger, or Giger, another artist. There's so much. Like again, how do you? How do you pick one? Oh, he did a uh, one that. Um, uh, sorry, I just brought up his Who's uh, that? Sorry. some of his artwork, and for oh, Frank Frazetta, uh, yeah, for Frank, yeah, no, and he did a classic. I'm gonna say that it, it was probably in oh, like, Dungeons uh, uh, Dragons yeah. at some point. The yeah. the artwork, some of their stuff, but it is the uh, the polar bears. The, oh, no. <laughs> No, no, just the 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 Death Rider on yes, top the, of the, the, giant de- the Death horse. Dealer. Uh, that's the uh, the actual name of that. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, that's that's right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, as soon as I brought it up, I, he, I recognized he is, that. He is famous for Conan. He did a lot of Conan covers for like the Conan magazines or the books. I could so totally he's, he's see very that. famous for Conan, yeah. but uh, his his work is like unprecedented. His uh, granddaughter. Uh, Sarah Frazetta, I'm actually friends with her on Facebook. I mean, I mean, friends is definitely like subjective term, like, you know, like, but, you know, we're connected on Facebook and she, she continues to push his stuff up, but she's also a fairly decent artist herself. And she takes in, she takes in the style of her grandfather, but Frazetta has influenced so many artists and I, I, Bisley would be obviously be one of them, but, oh, like his Mm -hmm. art is fantastic. Again, we'll go kind of off track a little bit, but because he has passed away a few years ago, but, uh, oh, like, I mean, that's just what I mean. Like there's so much, so much art 
and so many artists and so many resources like I mean, how do you just pick one or two or five or 10 or 20? Like I've, yeah, got, no, uh, sure. I've got these books in my, uh, in my bookshelf. Oh, they're called Spectrum. And uh, they compile, there was like a contest. So you submit your artwork to Spectrum and they compiled the best artwork from science fiction, fantasy artists. And uh, some of the artwork in there is like some from, and some of them are from big famous artists like, you know, Frizetta himself. And uh, Louis Royo, uh, my, my favorite Louis Royo. There's so, I mean, where do you go? <laughs> I just, no, yeah. for sure. I think probably where where you go from that is, gosh. In the K pop. Yeah. Talking about artists. <laughs> talking about artists. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so. exactly. Exactly. You know what? I, I got to be honest. I, I really okay. don't know much about K pop, but I've been taking a bit of a, a dive in over, over the last week. And they are a talented bunch of individuals. I mean, they can sing, they can dance, like they, they're the entire package. I mean, the only thing essentially that they're not doing is, is the writing. It, there but are some, there are some that discipline. do actually, uh, that do write some of their own music. So the, okay. one of the girls, uh, uh, I'm, I'm gonna get blasted for this, I, but I don't care, whatever, screw y'all. This is, this is, so uh, a little brief history anyway. So, so my daughter, my daughter had uh, a number of Korean friends. And uh, so she started to get into K-pop and stuff like that and the, the Korean culture. And uh, so we kind of got dragged into it as well. You know, like I just kind of, whatever, you know, like it's pop music. I didn't really think too much of it. And then uh, my daughter would play it for us and try to convince us that it was really good. And we're just like, whatever, it's pop music, pop music, pop music. But then I came across this one band called Blackpink. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, they're, 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 they're probably right the now. biggest band in the world, at least all female band in the world. Like, there's not, nothing compares. Like, Spice Girls get blown out of the water by, by this band. Four girls started when they were, like, I believe they are just, like, turning, like, 18. I don't even know if they were 18 when they first started. And, uh, but they, uh, one of the girls in that band, anyway, uh, Rose or Rose, she's actually, I think she's Australian or New Zealand. She's from New Zealand. But uh, she uh, mm -hmm. she speaks like you know five different languages. But she's actually a talented a songwriter, wow. and she actually just released her first solo song just a couple of days ago. But uh, she cool. she plays guitar and stuff like that. And uh, but here's a here's the thing with K-pop, and you, you can say what you want about it, but these kids that you know become K-pop idols, they work for it. Yeah, they, oh, they completely. work. Like I mean, they they go go through grueling preparation and one they might spend anywhere from a year to 10 years just yeah. in training because that that's actually what what it is is that they first they'll move into training then from there they'll pick out certain individuals to put together as a as a band and then you'll start performing but just the requirements that you have to go through like they're testing their flexibility you have to be on top of your nutrition all of the time your singing has to be spot on you're dancing you like you have to have been dancing since you were a child to be able to keep up with these ladies like well I was doing my research that they focused on one girl who her singing was spot on she had the right look her energy level was fantastic but her dancing she had only started dancing like a, a couple of years before and the professional dancers can spot it and they can spot it immediately i know from friends for growing up dance programs are yeah, very 100%. impressive 
and that's only one, one aspect, aspect yeah exactly i mean the dance the vocal that that goes uh, along and being able to to speak to the public and interact and just really to, to be able to kind of produce at that level is exceptional they they talk about once they're actually working as a band that they're quite like they may be working up to like 20 hours a day to get like four it hours is, of sleep at, at night which it, is it's ridiculous insane. to me and it, it's borderline abusive and not gonna lie not gonna lie i completely but agree the, the end result is like i guess there's a few ways to, to look at it let's talk a little bit about the the korean culture a bit and nobody sure. I, I, whether somebody's listening to this is korean or, or or whatnot i mean if you're not korean then you don't understand this but yeah, I've talked to Korean to create like I, I've, I've been guided through the, the Korean culture by Korean people. So don't don't at me. Don't at me. But the, the, there's a, the, the process is, is very similar to a communist country in a way is that you're kind of pegged as a child. You're pegged what you're going to do. And, and the, 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 the Korean mother that I, that I was talking to is talking about her own children with her children there saying that her, this particular daughter is going to become a doctor or something. And we're talking like she's like maybe 12 years old at this time, I believe, maybe a little older. And she's going to become right. a doctor because she's not beautiful enough to become a model or to become like a K-pop star. Because we talked about the K-pop thing. And uh, we're just in there like she's saying this to her daughter, but her daughter didn't seem offended by this. Right? We're thinking like we say that to our children, you know, right. you know, we'd have like, you know, the children's protective services, like knocking on our door, like kind of stuff. Right. <laughs> but they, but that's very much what they are. Like they, they actually. You said that yeah. your child was smart. Right. And in, in their culture. So, so what it is that like, and not just Korean, like in Japanese, Japanese culture, it's very similar this way too, is that they go to work, like the adults will go to work or the, the fathers will go to work for like 16 hour days. And the mothers will stay home and basically the mother is just there to serve the children and the children will go to school and you have to make sure that they're ready for school, that they have all their stuff they need for school. They have all their food and all that stuff. And then when they get home, blah, blah, blah. And my, my Korean friend had told us that when she, when she was in Korea, that she would be in bed before her husband would even get home from work. And so during the week, there wasn't a lot of time for that family thing, but, and because the kids would go to school, they do their classes, but then after their classes, they were sent out to not play. They were sent out to get tutored or to do extra, extracurricular classes. So yeah. Really to train so, for their future. And, and I guess that's what kind of what happened with K-pop is that, but then they started picking that at an earlier age. That if a child was not necessarily, I wouldn't say attractive because that's just kind of creepy to say it that way. But if a child exhibited those features, that were uh, for you know like a K-pop or for for an idol like not just K-pop but for like television and stuff like that. Then they were kind of like said okay, so they were kind of earmarked for okay, so this child is going to attempt, or if the child wanted to specifically going to go to the K-pop school or the K-pop tryouts because they do a lot of tryouts too, right? And they th- these tryouts do tour the world as well. Yeah. They came to Canada a couple times, and I know my my daughter wanted to go and try out at one point because she was really big into the dancing and dance routines and stuff. But so, so they would like earmark these these children, the boys and girls, to become idols of some sort. And so then they would go to these schools. And sometimes as early as age 12, they would start training to become an, an idol, a K-pop idol or television idol. Yeah, like, I mean, K-pop is such an important part of the society that the government actually has a division that's dedicated to K-pop and the promotion of right. 
yeah, like they, they've, and it isn't just one individual that's running it. He, there's an entire yeah, department. It's a, a whole department, which, which because it's so ingrained in the culture nowadays, especially like since I think what it was the one video we watched and they were talking about since like 1996 ish or so when mm-hmm. it really kind of exploded or came onto the scene. And yeah, I think it was really censored uh, for yeah. many years. Yeah, and that they really couldn't get their art across. No. And uh, then once the government realized how popular it was becoming that it wanted to wanted to be able to control it. Well, yeah, once it once it started hitting these other markets and stuff like that. Yeah, like is these bands, they're touring the world and they're doing it in their own language, yep. which is which is incredible. It doesn't matter what language you, you speak. It's the the quality of your singing, the dance performance, the in the entire production that you put on. Like some of these are full like i'm watching like watching a video it's a full theatrical production it's yeah. oh it's yeah it's like and it's it's not even just that it's a, a, a full production it's it's high quality right oh, like you watch completely. these music videos and like i mean you, you could say the same about about american music videos nowadays but i mean they like these videos are like productions and they're high quality and even the music is now it's it's almost become it, it it's kind of fluctuates a little bit like the music now as compared to like maybe two years ago like two years ago there, there was like it was like dubstep edm pop infusion right like all these different styles and now it's kind of gone a little more poppy again like this band black pink and bts bts has gone really kind of pop boy band americanized i think as soon as they kind of broke the american market then they kind of started doing the american thing which was kind of disappointing yeah like i could i would see them kind of like your insane yeah, your backstreet yeah. boys but, of, of yesteryear when they started and back like even in their early days when there's other bands like uh, big bang and uh, I, I G Dragon and a couple of these other bands that uh, I can't think of the names off the top of my head. My daughter knows all the boy bands. They they had like this real grungy feel to them. I mean, they were pop music, but then they were like so many different styles. And there's rap and hip hop and EDM. And like, it was just like, you could listen to this music and you, you put the bass on in the car and the whole car just be rattling. And, you know, and, but it wasn't, it wasn't disgusting to the ears, you know? And like Blackpink was like, for me, like Blackpink was the one that just kind of like, wow, okay, so there's something going on here, right? And these girls were fantastic. And you have to think about it for those of, that don't follow that culture and that, that type of music, these bands are quite often made up of like five, seven, nine individuals that each bring something different to the table. You know, whether um, some of them are like rappers and some of them are, are, are stronger at dance or yeah. other types of vocal each, each like artist each lends itself to, to something each, each artist in the within the band usually had like a role like you know there was there was yeah. the leader there was the dancer there was the rapper there was the vocalist there was a the musician kind of thing right or there was like i think there was one band i don't know i don't think it was 17 uh the band there was a band called 17 but i think there was a another band that had something like 21 members or something like that it was just like crazy like that big, just, big big seems on. crazy. Like that seems like you've got four extra backup yeah. bands waiting to go if your yeah. band can't go well, on. Well, that's because like like as you, as you said, the production like the production was up there as well, right? So the production also included the dancing and the choreography. And there's like, yeah, like I watched one video. I didn't know <laughs> in the beginning. I didn't know. I thought, well, it was just the one guy that was performing, and the rest were dancers. But no, yeah. the the entire. A stage was was all performance yeah it's crazy so 
so for those of you who are listening and you know haven't tuned out yet and are doubting just how big this is think of this for a second sigh you probably heard a sigh and gondam gongnam style right i'm pretty sure everybody's heard that song and you whether you like it or not it doesn't matter because it was the most viewed video on youtube for five years straight like it had broken all that records seems it was unbelievable yeah. to me and so and it was not english and you can say what you want about like you know people like upping the votes or or whatever it was right like you can say oh yeah it's uh you know people just kept voting and voting or kept watching and watching and watching over again so eight years ago it went online it's got four billion views four billion views that, that means that means half the world did the equivalent of half the world have watched this video and you tell me like you from now like every time you go to a wedding every time you go to probably like a, a pop bar or bar that plays music or even you'll be sitting in a restaurant and gondom style will come on and you tell me like and you tell me that that and that's that's that everybody yeah, knows that's eight years ago that's that's kind of like just the start of americanization of uh k-pop music right so like the, the first time he kind of really broke the north american border Right. And so, well, I think what didn't he come out of one of the big American singing shows like American Idol or something I, like that? I, I could be wrong. I don't know. I don't think so. Uh, oh, but okay. he, he, maybe I'm thinking of somebody else. He did show up uh, when, when, when Gangnam Style was like massive. He did show up on MTV uh, or one of, the, one of those music shows. And a lot of people were just like, what the hell is going on? Nobody really knew who it was at the time. And then once the song played, they're like, oh, okay. So we know what this is. So, Think of that for a second, okay? So Sai, and I don't think he's like the top, I don't think he's the top views anymore, but for five years he had the top views. So let's go to right. let's go to my, my, my girl's Blackpink for a second. And their first song, Boom Ya, the one that kind of broke the market for them is at 1.1 billion views in four years. And this song, like, and if you watch this song, this is like the one that kind of really broke them out. Like it is, you, you can't deny that it is a solid, decent song that you would have playing, you know, if you were working out, if you're, you know, just hanging out of the bar or you're going dancing to the club, like the song is just a bop. It's a total bop, right? And I mean, yeah, I'm cool. biased because I, I love these girls. I think like, and I've watched their shows and stuff like that. And they're just, they're, they're like down to earth for, for what they are. And, and they're, they're, they're real mishmash too, right? Like I said, you have one girl from New Zealand another girl is actually from Thailand. But I mean, they're just, they're so fun. And, you know, they, they put on great shows. You were going to try to go to one of the, to Blackpink, take my uh, my son to it or uh, whatever. And uh, we, we couldn't get the tickets at the time. It's, it's sold out in seconds here in Canada. It had one show, one show in the area in Hamilton, like a, a tiny venue, Hamilton, Ontario, which is uh, like, I mean, it's Cops Coliseum is, it's like a minor hockey league. I, I don't know how they probably fit like 10,000 people in there, but it sold out in seconds. BTS on the other hand, so the, the, the big boy band, so if you, if you look at BTS's songs, I'll say, uh, I'll just look up Idol for a second, which is one of their biggest songs, 874 yeah, million sure. views in two years. So still not quite as big as Blackpink, but this is like the biggest, probably biggest K-pop band. We, we bought mm -hmm. tickets. We tried to get tickets to their concert when they first came here and we couldn't. It took a, we ended up having to pay $400 for a single ticket in like not even good seats because that was all we could get. We tried, we tried getting them right at the start, right? And it was just, it was like, they crashed, they crashed the, the website. 
and they sold out in something like i don't know it was like something ridiculous like 16 seconds or something like that so that's i mean if you believe Ticketmaster or whatever right but uh anyway so yeah like i mean a lot of those are are bots that are yeah, buying tickets yeah. in in droves yeah. that are going to be resold on the yeah. streets but, but but even so if you think about it like you know it doesn't matter like just try to get those tickets we went so we went to uh it was kind of like uh, what was it it was i don't think it was it was a concert but it was just kind of like a thing announcing the concert right we went to this thing in hamilton where they're just announcing the concert they had all kinds of merch and they had all these vendors set up in the in the this outdoor like kind of like little plaza area and it was like full like absolutely full of like these kids right like it was like you're shoulder to shoulder with them Hundred thousand kids, probably. That's that crazy. Like, I mean, they now realize that not only is the show itself, but the pre-show, yeah. and they do that in sports yeah. as well too. You know, you you watch the uh, mixed martial arts where they'll have their their weigh-ins, and that is ticketed venue. Yeah. So then you're going to watch this pre-show for the actual main card, and they're doing it and doing it the exact same way for these uh, for these concerts. Yeah. It's absolutely ridiculous. I'm just trying to look at some of those other BTS songs and stuff like that. But yeah, three. Well, you're looking for the, the songs. What about some of, they, they, they call the, uh, they used to call these contracts oh, uh, like yeah, slave, slave contracts. contracts. Yeah. And I understand that it's not, that's not something that's done anymore, but essentially you're signing up for a five to a seven year contract but they used to be like up to 15 years. Yeah, yeah they, um, so th this is the biggest issue uh, with, with K-pop is that the, the, there's, there's like a limited amount of uh, companies recording studios in, in uh, South Korea who- I understand there's a big three. Yeah, there's a big three. And- uh, There might be some smaller ones as well, but the, essentially there's- Yeah, I think it was like, uh, I can't remember, like, uh, yg and can't remember them off the top of my head i would like ask me like you know a couple months ago i probably knew every single one of them but uh no for sure uh, they there was uh there were issues there, there's issues with these record companies so take like the american record companies and you know people don't like them and people think that they're just a bunch of mm -hmm. fat white guys like sitting at the top and probably are well this is kind of like the same thing except with the korean version is that they because they're still kind of a, a social I'm not saying, I don't want to say socialist or communist or anything like that, but they're a very social country in that these kids don't get paid well and they get kind of put in these abusive contracts, which, yeah, like the, these slave contracts. And for the first few years when, when K-pop was really big, it was, it was pretty abusive in, in that aspect. And like you said, I think that they've, uh, they've learned because there's been an outcry, uh, especially now that they're in an international market. You see that, uh, I think you see a lot of it, like the, the talent gets more money, it's paid better, uh, it's treated better, but I still think. And I suppose that's like like everything else, that you're essentially standing on the shoulders of those that came. Uh, yeah, I would think so. It, it, it is still an ugly industry in a way is that, uh, for instance, one, one uh, girl, she was from the band, uh, uh, was it? 21 oh her name is cl anyway uh che, che mm -hmm. lin she she was like one of the, the first real big k-pop female k-pop idols that really kind of broke the walls and came to america she was one of the first to come to america really she uh she's kind of just been thrown to the side by her by her brand i don't think she's part of her studio anymore which is sad because mm -hmm. i mean people still love her she's still considered the queen of k-pop and stuff and 
uh, and she's super talented. Like she broke into the market, but it's almost as soon as she broke into the market, like I don't know if that they maybe these other band, a couple other bands, kind of showed up, and she got to like okay, so she's not 25 years old anymore. We don't need her, right? And uh, so I think there's still well, that mentality. Well, control these these boys and girls that by the time they're done their contracts are are men and mm-hmm. women, right? For a very young yep. age, they're. Even though they've signed a contract with with these record labels, their contract actually doesn't begin until they start performing. So they may spend five years preparing to actually to start performing through dance and through singing and rapping and, uh, you know, all all the different training that, that goes in behind it. But you're actually, during that time, you're just essentially you're essentially costing the company money and they're the company's paying out that money but those kids throw out their contract they need to pay all yeah. that back well yeah that, that was part of that slave contract thing too i think that, that they used yeah. to do but but that's the thing though if you like we sit here we can judge it all we want to a certain extent but if you think about it college kids down in the states or junior hockey players up here in Canada, they don't mm-hmm. they get paid like pennies during oh, during no. no doubt like during their formative years before they become professionals. So think of those college kids. Yeah. And I'm not and the, like sorry sorry uh, to to finish the point is that they're they're kind of like training like the same thing with college and junior hockey players. They're training with the hopes of getting to the big leagues. So they, sure. they there is a lot of sacrifice and and there is abuse on in north america in that way right if you think about how oh, much money college football brings in and those players i mean you know we know we know that there, there's some players that are getting money and you know other families are getting suvs and stuff like that from the colleges but the amount of money yeah that get that these these teams these colleges bring in through their programs alone no that's incredible yeah. that that's a completely other yeah. story and probably another almost complete yeah. show so l- let's actually earmark that yeah. for a future future show but i, but I, I mean but like to even, the to the point like with k-pop yeah, it's, 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 it's the build-up yeah, it's, it's yeah you gotta pay yeah, your dues, you have to pay your dues but yeah i mean i think that k-pop idols especially in the earlier days and i mean i can't say for sure now like i mean a lot of the stuff that you look up it almost seems like it's uh what do you call it it's uh just christ reporting trying to go for shock value yeah like, and I'm not, I'm actually not even sure that it's really that much different from the North American music. Really, market. right? Like, you know, you're, you're, you're signed to a contract, you're given X amount of dollars, but you're expected to bring them. Yeah, back. yeah. But I think, I think the big difference is, though, is that because they train these kids in, in K-pop, they train them so hard for so many years and they work them hard that they're getting their money back. That's for sure. But, you know, oh. um, I just wonder, like, I've always wondered, because it's kind of hard to find information, how much does, like, the seven members of BTS, how much are they actually pocketing themselves? Then on the other hand, on the other hand, let's think about this for a second. Now, if a band like BTS, and I don't know 100%, I'm not 100% positive, but if a band like BTS, all they're putting out there is their faces, they're singing, and they're dancing, right? And the work that they put out, right? But, you know, the writers of the music, the producers, the promoters, they're making them that famous, really, if you think about it, because, I mean, you could, you could technically yeah, substitute any of those, like, for, like we said, like, there's, there's a school, there's schools, and there's, it's a, uh, an industry of bringing these South Korean kids in, and there's, could you replace any of these members of BTS? Probably. So, if yeah. they're not, you know, if they're not capable of doing it, or whatever, you can just bring somebody else in. So, I mean, it's really the production of the kids, or of, of these, these idols, 
is really uh, like more than just one person or just that just oh, that completely. Face. You know what? Like the performers, they might get ten percent, and the company, you know, might get ninety percent or eighty percent, twenty percent, and then that twenty or ten percent is then split up between the the performers. But you have to realize that the company they're they're working a machine mm-hmm. that's has to put this out it isn't just one individual at the top that's taking home all the bank they all have teams and teams of people that that yeah. are working oh 100 right but the yeah. sacrifice i think i think that the, the kids definitely need to be reimbursed for their sacrifices but the other thing too is that Completely. we haven't really mentioned yet is that the physical features of of these kids are really important so their look their their uh, likability is really important to the fans and to the industry so much so that the companies have plastic surgeons on their payroll so it's part of yes. the contracts for some so reason. if uh you know say for instance um this is kind of why i, I kind of like black pink because i don't believe that they've done any of that stuff because they all have like i've seen videos of them when they're like really young and they all look like you know they should look at the moment but right i think like in, in some of these bands like they would send these and you know the, the company would send these kids off to get like their jaw squared up their nose kind of thinned out and yeah. take away and kind of americanize their features which i think is kind of like how a lot of like this culture is yeah they just kind of think a, a thin face is a, yeah. is a pretty face and when i say pretty that that's for both for females yep. and males it's just they like that particular they like that look. aesthetic and actually just not only speaking to that but what i've heard is some of them are want to look like an anime character right. as well too and so they are having their features done after something that's drawn with a you know a pencil and paper right. or a computer now and just to to have a certain look but i'll be honest that that seems disgusting to me yeah that would be part of a contract i understand when people make personal decisions to make those changes mm. you know i i don't think that it's necessary but people people want to do it and and that's their business but when at times that it's actually written into contracts or if it's not in the contract that it's heavily suggested by the producers yeah and, and they essentially feel like they have no other choice yeah. and that's unfortunate because the thing is at the end of the day too like i mean we say they don't have a choice at the end of the day i think a lot of because like when i mentioned what i told you about my, my friend and talking about her daughter is that there's a certain style and look that they are looking for and honestly like if you think about it do you think like in a case like yeah i know you're not as familiar with k-pop as i am but in one instant, do you think that somebody like, um, I'm trying to think of uh, Post Malone, do you think Post Malone would fit in BTS and, and they would be okay with that? Would they sell as many albums if they all look like Post Malone? Yeah, yeah for sure. So I think that you know, it's the industry and the culture there says that these people need to look like this or they're not going to make the money they will. Maybe maybe they'll come out like, of that. And actually even so much so like that, I said that the attrition and so forth is mm. very important to them. But that really scratches the surface to some of them have like weekly weigh-ins yeah. that they have to have to meet. They have to be under like, I was watching one particular show where all of the, the female performers had to be under 110 pounds. And every week they had to go in 
and were were actually weighed to make sure that they were under that that set weight it's uh it's pretty gross i'm not i mean yeah. as much as i as i like enjoy I, it i understand that that looks so yeah like that the, there isn't you know you can't really second guess that because it is part of it but to have to have that as a requirement to actually to continue to perform with with the rest of your band yeah yeah it's uh, as the rest of your group seems crazy to me it, it, it is yeah for sure but I, I mean again like i said like my, my friend mentioned like that that's again don't at me this is the culture this, this is what the culture expects yeah, right it it's is. just like if you're if you're not attractive then you oh you know or if you're really smart or you're not very smart then you're you're destined for certain industries and uh, it's mm-hmm. unfortunate and it, it disgusts me that in a way that you have to look a certain way you have to weigh a certain amount to be popular uh, or to to make it right mm-hmm. uh, again though a perfect example though and I, I keep going back to blackpink because I, I absolutely adore these 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 ladies but they, they're they're all pretty natural looking i mean they're all good looking attractive women but I mean, mm-hmm. there was a one point too where one of the singer or one of the dancers, singer dancers, one of the one of the the performers, Lisa, uh, she's the the girl from Thailand, uh, where she was getting really skinny, and it was got to the point, and I don't know if it just they never really didn't really notice it before, but then she was kind of almost sickly looking skinny. And so people started call, yeah. people started making comments, and she kind of disappeared from social media for a bit because she was pretty upset about it. But she, uh, she's I don't know that that she, she fought back a bit and said that that's just she's just a skinny girl. So, but you, you know, you know whether, how people you know how people are with that, right? And it's unfortunate. But she she is like so talented, and like the band is just doing so well. It's just I I would hope I would hate to see it that something tragic happens or that in this industry because of how they they want these people to look a certain way that and mm-hmm. that is one of the questions that comes up in, in some of these conversations is that they're actually putting their health yeah, at risk or, or they're mentally or physically right yeah exactly but you know i understand that it is part of it and that they they are putting out an incredible product. A lot of times, to a lot of extent, these young performers or their parents, they know what what they're, they're getting into. Yeah, are getting into. Yeah, well, because their their culture is very uh, um, work ethic. Like I, I don't know how to how to put it in words, but they're, they're very focused on work ethic. And so as they grow up, they know that they're going to be putting in those sixteen hour days, no matter what job they're doing. They're going to be putting in those sixteen yeah, exactly. hour days. And so and these girls, you know, they love it for the fame and the art and, you know, maybe the riches, if, if that's, if that's a thing. And then that they are happy to do that. And they want to do that. Cause in a lot of cases, and like I watched, I watched a few different interviews where the, the, the parents were very reserved about doing it, but the, the child wanted to go and they love to make sure that their children are happy. So they would say, okay, so you go do it. And then they wouldn't see their children. Like uh, the, the girls from Blackpink had talked about how they hadn't seen their family for at one point for a couple of years after they got into the band. Yeah, that's crazy. It really is. So, but again, like I said, like that's that's the culture in a way, right? I mean, yeah. say, say what you want about it. The culture is to work and work hard and everybody contributes. And, and it's, it's very, very similar to the Japanese culture as well is that you're contributing to a greater good. 
when you work, right? So mm -hmm. to, to think that, oh, you're not going to work or you're not going to school. I mean, you think it's bad here and you know, your coworkers make fun of you or your boss gives you the stink eye because you called in sick one day. Well, there it's like, you know, don't even dare think about calling in sick, you know? No, but it's a, certainly a different culture. And I'll be honest, it's pretty eye-opening for mm -hmm. me. I love, uh, I love music and I love the history of yeah. music, but that it's never been my genre. No. So you, by setting this as a, as a subject, it, uh, it's really taken taking me down an, an interesting path for the last week while i while i learned about yeah. all of the history and and all of the different bands uh that go that have really made k-pop really yeah. what it is today it's pretty cool yeah. so thank no you i mean i i'm i'm kind of pretty eclectic taste in music i've always been kind of like up until like maybe like let's say 10 years ago I was always that guy that like, you know, I liked what I liked and I didn't care about anything else and I hated everything else or whatever. But then I just kind of started listening yeah. and said, why, why, why do I, why do I care? You know, if it's, if, it, if it's good. Yeah, why, why limit yeah. myself to one particular it, genre? Over if, it, if it makes me smile or if it says something to me, it tells me a story or something like that. Like, I mean, and I'm like, okay, all right. I kind of get it, got into it and started listening to like dance music at the bar kind of stuff and I go to the bar and dance and be like, you know what? People yep. aren't questioning the music or questioning the lyrics. They're just there having a good time. So why can't I just have a good time with some bass kind of stuff? And mm -hmm. so I, you know, I would never have thought I would be talking about you know K-pop music right now. You know, and like trying to trying to work everybody over that I know and say, hey, K-pop's pretty good, guys. <laughs> you know, you guys should listen to this. I always send people links all the time. They just look at me like I'm an idiot. And uh, you know what? This has been a, a ride of yeah. a show, kind of going from camping to our favorite artists to k-pop yeah. it has been a roller coaster really, it has today. been and uh i think we, we've all learned something <laughs> well maybe we certainly <laughs> have yes but uh, thanks everybody for listening in tonight we can't wait for next week's show be sure to be listening yeah. thanks uh, so we much. appreciate it thanks for coming out andrew thanks for uh hosting and yeah, don't forget to check out tribe74.com peace out everybody